This time on The Magic Kitchen, we are joined by author Mawia Kai Eljama Bomani. I'm Leandra Witchwood. And I'm Elise Wells. And welcome to The Magic Kitchen Podcast, where we talk about magic, kitchen witchcraft, herbs, and everything in between. Magic Kitchen Podcast is funded and supported by thewitchwoodteahouse.com, offering a variety of hand-blended loose leaf teas, as well as loose herbs for all of your ritual, spell work, wellness, and everyday enjoyment needs. If you would like to support this podcast while sipping a great cup of tea, head over to thewitchwoodteahouse.com and find the magic that's in store for you. So the mundane and the magical. This has yes. been a topic lately. I see it on social media a lot, and I'm getting I'm getting this question a lot in my magical living community. How do I bridge the mundane with the magic? And it's funny because before we got on today, Leandra and I were saying how, like, like I was like, "Have you been doing any cool magic lately? Like, has anything been going on?" And you were like, "Well, yeah, but like, it's just the everyday stuff." And yeah. I think that's actually what we should talk about because I think. For for what we do, like, yeah, my everyday <laughs> stuff. I actually, I'm in the States right now and yeah. there's no, I don't have an altar here. And I thought about no. setting one up. I do have an ancestor altar I put together because um, I'm in Pennsylvania, which is the land that raised me. It's where my family's mostly from on my mom's side. And it's been a nice chance to connect to that energy. But yeah, like if I filmed, let's say, like the magic I'm doing it would just look like a lot of walking around, a lot right. of literal tree <laughs> hugging, or or a lot of arms in the air with my palms up to the sky. Like, right? It, you might think I'm doing yoga really slowly. I don't, it's not <laughs> or tai chi, or I don't know. Yeah, but I'm doing real <laughs> magic. You know, it's like really mm-hmm. happening for me. But it's become mm-hmm. part of my mundane. Yeah. And I think that's the thing when we start making the magical part of when we start living that magical life and we start making it a part of our everyday existence, it really does look pretty either just bizarre or (laughs) normal and boring. Um, It's funny because I started out like giving my example like, oh, yeah, this is so boring that I'm like, actually, no, it's weird because I'm like talking to a squirrel. You're talking to a squirrel (laughs) or you're you're touching a tree. Yeah. And I do this every every time I t- I go for a walk. I I purposely go for a walk normally alone. Sometimes I'll go with Stacy and we hang out together and we visit new walking trails and stuff like that. But normally I go alone, and this is what I do. I talk to the trees. Yeah, and people probably think I'm crazy, but what I'll do is I'll put my earbud in, <laughs> so it looks like I'm on the phone. Clever, and I will literally talk to the trees (laughs) and you know i'll have either have my phone like i make it look like i'm not crazy 
because I know to the untrained eye, to somebody who's not in the magical community, who does not commune with the nature spirits, who does not recognize mm-hmm. genus loci, <laughs> they would totally think I was some crazy person just talking to themselves. And why am I not standing on the street corner doing this? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so literally, I will have my phone out. And I will make it look like I'm in a conversation with somebody on the phone. And I'm saying, hey, you know what? You're looking pretty good today or, you know, like whatever normal conversation is. But every once in a while, I'll stop and I breathe because our exchange, not only energetically, but physically with these trees and with the plants is through breath. They provide us oxygen. We do the exchange, right? So they get information from us through our breath and we gain information from them through our breath. So I will literally stand and just breathe or I'll find a park bench under a tree and I'll breathe. So that doesn't look necessarily unusual, but that's what the practice is. It's mm-hmm. a lot of internal dialogue, a lot of internal focus, a lot of internal anything. And mm-hmm. it's not this outwardly, you know, we don't have sparks flying from our hands and <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's not aesthetic and it's not right. like it's 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 almost undocumentable right like yeah i'm not i'm not dry i'm not dressed in some flowing gown with a crown and you know beautiful flowers at mm -hmm. my feet i'm I'm in my pajama bottoms i'm outside (laughs) well in a hoodie (laughs) so like my morning routine has become it's more like honestly it's not even morning. It's like, I'm not a morning person. So it's afternoon. No, you're not. Like I don't eat in the morning. I barely, I just get ready, brush my teeth, you know, but then like my morning routine, like, like I shared this in my magical living community. It's two minutes long because that's, mm-hmm. that's all I can do. I'm not a morning person. You better mm-hmm. believe my full moons are happening because they're at night. Yes. But yes. a morning. Uh-uh. So anyway, nope. when I'm cooking the day before, like I'll have, if there's anything safe for deer to eat, I keep it aside. And then after I've had my coffee and done a little bit of writing in the morning, I will go outside. And I'm really blessed when I'm in Pennsylvania to literally be in the family home that I Mm. grew up in. Like, this is the land that raised me. These are the trees that were babies when I was, too. Like, they were planted in the 90s, just like I was. And (laughs) so I go out to these trees and we have about 23 deer I've seen total that live in the, in these woods. And so if I know they can eat it, I save it for them and I take it out as an offering to the land. And it's fun because the deer at first, when I first got back, were like, what the heck? This is our land. Who are you? Get out of here. <laughs> and now like we have moments, like we can make eye contact. And as long as I'm like a good 10 to 15 feet away from them, like they won't run, which is really right. special. And I think they also know that it's me leaving them like, you know, cucumbers Treats. and yeah. <laughs> pumpkin guts and (laughs) so it's been so special and like when I first arrived I ran out to the trees like I would if I was running into my cousin for the first time in a while like I was like oh my gosh hey hi (laughs) I'm here for a while I'm excited I'll get to be here while your leaves fall and like you know I'm catching them up on some things that have happened for me and it's just so moving but yeah it doesn't look good on Instagram but that's okay no That's I think that's part of the issue right now is like people are like, am I doing it right? Because it doesn't look like what I see like. Yes, that aesthetic. Well, and just like what you said before you came here, like you were craving that smell. Yeah. Fall. 
the oh, decay, yeah. the leaves, the, the oh, underbrush. I, exactly. And when that I'm out bit. there, that's what I'm doing. I'm literally mm-hmm. like just breathing it in. Oh, like just it's like a drug, it. honestly. It's yeah. so <laughs> enriching. Like on, honestly, oxygen is like mm. we talk about this before. Like breath work alters consciousness. It you does. don't need shrooms, you don't need LSD. Nope. You just need to nope. breathe right. And it yes. alters your consciousness. So when you go outside yes. and you're like really breathing mm. in like the petrichor after rainfall or yes. the petrichor. decay of the leaves, like mm. it's real. It's it really is real. magic. Yes. But nobody else around you is going to know that unless they're experiencing the same thing. And even then it's different for you than it is for me. Yeah, you know, we could be in the same exact. We were okay. So since Elise has been here in the United States, we've been out hanging out, and we went to Longwood Gardens, and we were walking around the woods, and we were, you know, smelling the decay and talking about the trees and touching the trees and talking to the trees and talking to each other, and you know, all of that. But it was still a different experience for me than it was for you. Yeah. But, but at the we same time, we're like, yeah, yeah, exactly. We're in that sacred <laughs> bubble together, which is so fun. Yes. Yes. <sighs> yeah. So, yeah, we just wanted to start this episode with a bit of empowerment for your magical yes. life to not feel like it has to look a certain way or it be a certain way. Matter. Like, and if, and it, and it is the mundane. Like, yeah. like that's the thing. Like, I Let think some be. people come to the path, well, most of us, I think, come to the path to yeah. escape the mundane. Like, <laughs> we're like, I need a refuge. But very quickly, if you're, if you're doing it right, like the magic seeps in until mm-hmm. there is no separation. And that's, Absolutely, and it, that's a and magical that's everything life. you do. Yeah, from from washing your dishes. So so lately, I've been playing this cute, cozy witch game on the Switch because my Aww. I don't know. We had just the like a new resurgence of our our Switch in the house, and it's just this cute little farming game that where the the main character you discovers that she's got a long lineage of witchcraft and you start discovering that so you start learning all these spells and you do this farming and you take care of this you know take care of your grandmother all this stuff it's really cute yeah and i was sitting there I'm like this is part of my craft like just connecting with that child inside of me that wants to play a game that wants to sit in a cozy bed with a cozy game with a cup of tea yeah. and that's all it has to be it doesn't have to be much more than that it's just re reforming the bond of that inner child with that coziness of being in a safe and secure environment. Yeah. Oh, that's gorgeous. (laughs) So do you have anything, any events coming up in your rebel mystic community this, in the next few weeks? We always have some really cool things going on. So right now what we're focusing on is magical medicine making. So magical herbal medicine making, this is going to be a long series. That's going to turn into something bigger because they it's just something that i'm really excited about so i'm going to share with the i'm going to share the crap out of it as much as i can <laughs> but so what i have right now are magical um herbal medicine kits that i'm creating the first one is the elderberry syrup kit so you get everything except the liquid and um you also get the spell with it and um if you are a mystic level subscriber you also get the instructions on how to create the ritual around this magical medicine making and later this month uh the 30th actually we will be doing our magical medicine ritual that where we infuse this medicine kit this remedy this herbal medicine with magic and make it part of 
our craft and part of that magical herbalism aspect that I don't really hear anybody talking about. This was something I was taught, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago from my through my mentor who she was just a visionary. Like, I think she should have been an author. She should have been a, a public speaker because <laughs> she had all this knowledge and she only shared it with the people closest to her. And I think it's time to take that knowledge and spread it out because there's so many avenues that we can utilize within our craft yeah. that I don't think they're talked about enough. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited for that. I yeah. It's really fun. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. You're the perfect person to teach this too, because your connection <laughs> to you. herbs is deeper than, mm. you know, like you make your teas, the Witchwood Tea House teas are yes. delicious, but they're very healing. Like <laughs> I, if I'm having yeah. a bad day, like I find the right tea Aww. from your teas and Good. it helps me. So, I, and I know I'm not the only one. I know there's lots of listeners no. who are like, same. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if you ever want to just see what people have to say about my teas, like go to Etsy and look at my reviews. Yeah. Like I am astonished and humbled by these reviews every single day. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, thank you. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's so no, validating. It's... Yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad that what I care for, what my my care and my attention and my dedication shows. Yeah. <laughs> and I've got my self-paced magical living community for the busy mm -hmm. witch. You've got rituals, you've got exclusive videos, you've got meditations, all that good stuff. And you can join with a free trial as well mm. to see if it's for you. And then I also have three workshops in December before I leave the yeah. U.S. So You're one busy. of them, I know, <laughs> uh, I did seven workshops total this this trip, like including these three. So I'm excited to uh, have three more before I go because it's really my favorite thing is meeting meeting listeners meeting students mm -hmm. in person, connecting to new people that I, I, you know, wouldn't have met otherwise. Like it's so special right. to me to be able to do this. So I, I, I'm, I have no regrets, even though it's been crazy <laughs> seven workshops <laughs> in seven weeks, but you know what? No big deal. Wow. Um, <laughs> but so the next one is December 3rd at the Serpent's Key. I'm returning. Mm -hmm. We we had a great turnout for the Artemis Hikate workshop and the recording is for sale in my course mm -hmm. library on patreon.com. And I also am really excited about this one on the history of witchcraft, December 3rd, because it's the presentation of my research from my master's degree. So there's a lot of info in there that I did the deep dives, so you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. So you get the the diluted like, oh, this is that. That's who this is. And I have a further reading guide, which includes actual downloadable books that are useful as well for further reading, which is cool. Um, awesome. And then after that, the very next day, Ali Knoll and I are co-hosting a workshop on astrocartography and deity work mm -hmm. and how your astral map affects your path, your spiritual path. It's, it's going to be a really good workshop. And then on the 11th in Haverty Grace, Maryland, I am presenting on connection to land spirits, which is extra special because I've been spending a lot of time in Haverty Grace on this visit. And I've really gotten to know the land spirits there. So I'm hoping they'll attend as well because it's a really special topic in a really special Good. place. So if you're like in the D.C. area and you don't mind to drive, like come on up to Haverty Grace. Mm -hmm. If you haven't been, it's it's worth the excursion anyway. And then if you want to toss in a bit of time at my workshop, that'd be cool, too. <laughs> it's limited to 12 spots, so they're filled up. Yeah, that's awesome. 
I know it's gonna be sad to see you go. I'm gonna be I sad know. to see you go. It's going so Even fast. Even I see you every like, week, really. <laughs> I know. It's just so it, it it seven weeks sounded so long, and then it's just like mm. whipping past. Like I don't it understand hyperspeed. Yeah. I I can't believe it's end of November already. Really. <laughs> <sighs> I know November is mm. such a liminal month. Like it's Samhain, but it's also like. The world is trying to throw Christmas at you and you're oh like, oh, but I'm still connected to my ancestors right now. Can yes. you wait? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm not ready for Christmas yet. Yeah. The yeah. whole Yuletide season. is a, t- a complicated mm-hmm. time. Real talk. Leandra and I could be trying to sell you socks or a VPN or that cereal everybody talks about, but we like to keep it witchy around here instead. And we can only do that because of the support of listeners like you. When you're joining my Magical Living community on Patreon, you're not only getting weekly shadow work journal prompts, new moon and full moon rituals, exclusive videos, exclusive meditations, plus bonus episodes of the Magic Kitchen podcast. But you're seriously keeping the lights on in the Magic Kitchen. Thank you for listening and reviewing the show. And if you're ready to meet me in the Magic Kitchen, pop over to patreon.com slash Elise Wells and start your free trial. Let's deepen your magical practice together. Mawia Kai El Jama Bomani is an award-winning writer, educator, and spirit woman. Mawia is an eighth-generation witch, agoon medium, and priestess of Oya in the Yoruba system of spirituality. She is also editor-in-chief of the Culture and African Traditional Spirituality Ezine, Oya and Soro. Mawia is the host of Fish Heads in Red Gravy, a podcast dedicated to celebrating marginalized people of the esoteric occult world. Her writings have appeared in numerous magazines, including The Crab Orchard Review, Dark Arrows, and Catch the Fire. She has written several plays, including Spring Chickens, which won her the Southern Black Theater Festival's 2012-2013 to Playwright of the Year Award. She is also the Critical Mass 8 Literary Award winner and a CAT Artist Residency recipient. Mawia currently lives, writes, and conducts Orisa rituals and spiritual consultations, workshops, house cleansings, and divinations in both northern and southern Louisiana. Learn more at mawiakaieljamabomani.com, and we will put that link in the description as well. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Welcome. I am Your so book. excited for this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Conjuring the Calabash was one of my favorite reads this month. Mm-hmm. It's one of those books that it felt like a window into a world I don't live in because in many ways right. it is. And yeah. we're really glad to have you here because we get questions from our listeners about hoodoo or voodoo or root work. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, they say, can you do an episode? And the answer is no. You know, we right, can't. Right. We need an expert mm-hmm. on. So. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Yeah, for thank you. Me. Thank you so much. Yeah. So let's start off then. So let's start off with the differences between hoodoo, voodoo, voodoo, Southern conjure, root work, like from your perspective, okay. give us a snapshot of like how they, they are similar and different together. All right. Well, one of the major differences, I think, between hoodoo and vodun or orisha work or anything like that is that hoodoo itself, there really isn't an initiation into the practice. 
um, it's more folk magic and mm. it comes from more of, um, you know, what your family, how your family practices it. I always tell people, even in New Orleans, where I'm born and raised uh, on one block, somebody may do something a little different than somebody else, even nice. in the same block. So it all depends on, you know, your family lineage. So the major thing about hoodoo is that, um, like I say, you don't have to be initiated. Um, and, you know, it it welcomes, you know, your understanding of your past, you know, and, and merge, submerged within it. Um, as far as Orisha, you have to have a teacher. You have to have an initiator um, as, as well as Vodun, you know, and some things do overlap because sometimes there are some um, deities that sure. uh, you work with. You know, because maybe grandmother worked with on Orisha, um, you know, Oya or, or you know, Oshun. Mm-hmm. And so that energy is also put into the hoodoo work that you do. Um, and hoodoo itself, the flavoring of it, I always say, is a mixture of African as well as Native American and European influences that were on the continent, you know, as Africans were brought over during enslavement. And so from that, because you have all of these different languages, these different um, places that Africans are coming from, they had to find a way to, you know, remember. You know? And so it all just got together and formed into conjure root work, um, using what was what was in the on the continent, using what they could have brought with them, as well as their knowledge and, you know, sort of putting all of that into a gumbo, you know, a mixture. Mm. I like and that. <laughs> pulling it out. And so everybody has this practice that they're doing that combines practices from where they came from. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I yeah, I, I absolutely love that. And I think it's so important to understand. And I, I that's I, why I wanted you to give clarity to our listeners, because I mm-hmm. think it, they're like it, like you said, it's a gumbo. So it kind of gets right, right, buried right. with other things. And there's the, there's those subtle mm-hmm. lines of differences that I think we, we should appreciate. Right. And we should respect those lines, too. And I think, you know, what makes it easier for people to jump into is the fact that you can pull from, you know, from Vodun, you can pull from, mm. you know, uh, you know, Santeria or, you know, Lukami, yeah. you can pull from those things and still utilize it and make it stronger. But once nice. again, because we can all do it, you know, it's much easier to access. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So because your book is Conjuring the Kalabash, can you explain to us, give us your perspective, what the Kalabash is? Um, it's it's the womb of nature. It's the womb of the world. Uh, we think about women. We think about, you know, birthing our ideas, our, our goals, our dreams and things like that. And so for me, the Kalabash is about um, just what we offer to nature, what we offer to the world, you know, how we are one with the world, how we're one with our ancestors, you know, and how we continue along that path, you know, stretching our lineage, you know, from our earliest beginnings to where we are now, how we merge all of that, all of that information and move forward, you know, with what we have to do in this world today. Yeah. Move forward. I like that. Because I, I think a lot of times we think about magic or we think about the spirit work that we do and, and it becomes, you know, just something that was done a long time ago. We just keep doing it and we don't know why. But I think I wanted to do with this book, I wanted to make it accessible to our lives today. I wanted us to be able to do rituals or do workings and continue with, you know, being a soccer mom or whatever we have to do, you know, going to work, yeah. or whatever, you know, I, like I wanted that, yeah. to feel like that. I wanted us not to have to feel like we were ceremonial magicians, you know, <laughs> <laughs> 
before work, I have to get my robe out. You know, right. like, oh, let me let me put on the ten yeah, pounds yeah, of jewelry yeah. and <laughs> right, right, right. You know, we don't have time for that. Maybe no. what, sometimes we maybe do, but, you know, right, special maybe. occasions. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Know, but not every day. You know, we don't have time. You might pour yourself a cup of coffee, and you know, you can start invoking into that cup of yeah, coffee. What your day to look like? You yeah, know, like that. So that's that's still magic. You know. Without the robe. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Nice. And I like that each chapter, well, really the whole book is super applicable. Like it's exercise heavy in the best way. Some books, Mm -hmm. they spend too much time waffling on. And then they were like, and here's a meditation you could do. It's like, no, like this book is for learning and practicing hoodoo. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you also acknowledge like these are some bigger workings. And then I love how you end each chapter with the juju on the fly section. (laughs) It's fantastic. Yeah. And once again, I thought that that would be an easy way to just, you know, do some magic, even if you felt like I don't have time. But if you have like five minutes, five to seven minutes, you can do this and still feel like, you know, I, I hit those milestones that morning. I'm protected. So, yeah. Definitely. And so many yeah. of the exercises are also like, um, you know, like, like recipes, you know, they're things that, that will help you. Like you have a, um, mm-hmm. a foot balm, that recipe that's, you know, it's magically infused, right, it's right. magically created, but it's also super healthy for your feet. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's a reminder that magic at its core is self-care. It's not just, you know, to get what you want, it's to be who you want to be. Right, right. And fit into your life in that way, you know, so that you can do that, you know, that shampoo, washing your hair and still invoke magic into that. You can be vacuuming the the house and still invoke magic into that. So I I really wanted it to be, like you said, applicable to all of those types of situations, you know, and not to have to feel like, you know, if I'm not at my shrine, I'm not doing magic, you know, so I wanted it to be able you to be able to move it with you for, in your car, you know, when you're at work, you know, wherever you are to just be able to get into that space and not feel like, you know, I have to look a certain way in order to be in that space. So, yeah, mm, I love that. Have you noticed your intuition and connection to your magic is increased in certain places or on the opposite side that you can't seem to connect the same way at other places? What if I told you that there is a map of your life that you can use to connect with and develop your spiritual path? In a collaboration with friend of the Magic Kitchen and host of Mystic and Holistic podcast, Allie Knoll, I am offering an online workshop this December on deity work and locational astrology. In this workshop, we'll combine my knowledge of relationships with gods and goddesses and Allie's expertise as a professional astrologer and astrocartographer to explore how where you live and spend the most time affects not only who you've become, but also can be used to deepen your relationships with deity and spirit. Sign up at the link in the show notes or on seekingnumina.com slash workshops. So within Hoodoo, I noticed that your book is different than a lot of other books I've read because you don't focus as much on nature. Is it fair to say that Hoodoo is a more urban practice in some ways? Um, In some ways it is. I mean, there is, 
you can do a lot of root work, a lot of nature work um, for this. And, and, and then I'm working on some things that will deal more with that later on. But for this book, I really wanted it to be something where, cause it came out of, uh, you know, dealing with clients during the pandemic. And so really trying to um, help them, you know, feel like they had, you know, some control over the world that they were living in, you know, and I wanted it to be um, something where you really didn't have to go travel far to do a lot of nature magic. You know, I wanted it to be more, um, you know, conjure within is what I what I thought about it. And um, with that. I just felt like it would be. Uh, easier for people to transition, you know, have that first knowledge of how to do these type of workings. And then we could move more into the root working portion Mm -hmm. of it all. I wanted people to feel comfortable with hoodoo, people who practice it, as well as other people who are new to it, you know, feeling like, you know, um, maybe I want to study more about traditional spirituality, but let me sort of, you know, dip my toe into this. And so try to give them a way to dip their toe in where they don't feel like, you know, they're they're They have to make a commitment at that point in time. You know, they could see how it works into their lives. And that's what I really wanted this book to be, you know, more of that, you know, um, see how it fits. And then if it fits, then you could, we could, you know, delve deeper into much more of the root work side. So it is both. It is nature. Okay. You know, but with like I said, with this particular project, I wanted it to be more of, you know, just an exploration for people to see if it fits into their life. Yeah. And that comes through like in that acknowledgement of reality. Like mm-hmm. I think I think modern authors have moved away from this. But, you know, if you read like witchcraft books from the 80s and 90s, it's all about like go out to a sacred grove in your area. Right. Right. I love that. <laughs> right. Right. <But> like, <laughs> And I, and I love that you, you know, you describe like distances and I love mm-hmm. how recurring the number nine is. Maybe that's another question I should ask, but, but you're like, you know, go find a dumpster at least nine blocks from your house. You right, know, it's right. not like as the crow flies, chart the distance, you know, it's just, it's <laughs> right, right, it's right, 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 live, right, you know, right. we have dumpsters. Once again, now. who has time to wait for the crow? Or even I love that. Yeah. Right. And so the nine itself is um it's about birth, rebirth, you know, and 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 Arisha work and look at me, oh oh, yeah, it's about, you know, it's done, you know, what she's taken, you don't need it, you know, don't don't look for it, you know, and so the nine gives us that time to have that rebirth, to move forward and to say, okay, I've set this aside, I'm good with it, I'm not looking back, you know, you know, so I'm gonna keep moving. And so that's why I use that number a lot because I really want people to focus in on um, you know, it's done, it's gone you know, let's, let's keep, let's move forward. So we keep the number nine the same in terms of when we do that work, because it sort of starts to, you know, fit into your head that, okay, I'm, I'm moving past this and I'm moving into the next situation. Once you start to get a grasp of it. It's an excellent focus. I like that. So at least going that distance of like, taking that walk yeah. those nine blocks yes. that's yes. you saying okay I'm, this is how far it is from where i am now right. and right. it's getting right. farther and it's right. staying there while i turn right. back yeah, yeah. and the works you do and you invoke that nine you know you're already your your spirit you know everything is already in that position to understand you know that it's it's done you know yeah well, and okay, so going back to like our talk about like having to put on the 10 pounds of jewelry and the robes and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. <laughs> this is an activity that helps you drop into that liminal space, that liminal mm-hmm. working space where you're like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm counting the nine. Yeah. So I am doing, yeah, like you said, doing the work. Yeah. yeah and yeah, yeah it, and ironically, like nine, three, six and nine are 
numbers that re- occur in sacred ge- geometry as mm-hmm. spiritual numbers. Like mm-hmm. they are meant to, to infuse us with that magical energy because they don't necessarily show up like that in, right, in right, right, natural right, forms. Right. You know, you, the, you know, the Fibonacci sequence and all these other, mm-hmm. you know, sacred geometry equations and that sort of thing. When you see three, six, and nine, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily see them either together or in that kind of a sequence or right, that right. Um, sum. So right. I, I like that you, you take something deliberately and it's a focus mm-hmm. and you use mm-hmm. that focus and then you're in there. You're right where you need to be. I love mm-hmm. it. <laughs> and it also helps us to challenge. It also helps us to, to, to channel that energy between ourselves and our ans- and the ancestral realm. So with Oya, when we think of nine, we always think about her connection and the nine times we would say or we would call out her name is, you know, a cha- changing our tone or our language into the language that she understands. By that mm. ninth time, she understands and yeah. is empowered by what we're saying. And she she hears us, you know, and yeah. it's like okay, it's open. And so I always think about it that way too. Those nine blocks you walk, doing it those nine times. Now you're you're you just you know you're not you're knocking on the door, knocking on the door, and by that night time it's open. Mm-hmm. I love that. I have chills. I have full body chills just talking about it. Like <laughs> I got it in the book, but like hearing you say it, there's so mm-hmm. much power behind that. I love it. Love it. Love it. So part of what. I work with, and I, I love how you opened the book this way. Mm-hmm. Um, part of what I work with is shadow work. So going into the darkness and befriending the darkness. So you mm-hmm. tell the story of, of making darkness your adversary. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, I love this, the story that you tell in this book. And I don't want to give away too much because I want people to read the book, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it really speaks to um how we recoil from that darkness. Can you speak a little bit about it without giving up way too much? I mean, if you want to like touch on the story, go for it. It's entirely up to you. (laughs) I think one of the things um, uh, in terms of the Calabash and in terms of talking about um, this energy between women and men, and I put that story in there because a lot of times um, talking to clients and even talking to my my kids, we, we there's always this, uh, especially with social media, this disconnect between women and men, and especially in the African American community, you know, there is a lot of um, you know, uh, or you're not doing this for me, or I'm not getting that, you know, just all of this, what we would call when I was growing up backbiting, you know, everybody's just fussing and getting at it with each other. And so I wanted the story, because um, I want people to read the story, but I wanted the story to actually um, talk about, you know, or explain those challenges that we have with each other, but also how we can go through all of those motions of, you know, getting into it and, and having this all drawn out, you know, argument and then coming back full circle to understand that there is a bigger world. There is a bigger problem or there are bigger situations that we need to handle together. And in order to handle those situations, then we have to come to some type of an agreement. And that is a spiritual agreement, an emotional agree- agreement, as well as a physical agreement between the two. Um, and so the upper and the lower parts of the calabash and even playing the calabash, putting a skirt on it and with bells or cowrie shells and playing, it becomes an instrument. It also, it lets us know that this story, this uh, this understanding, there's this union that's happened. So once you start to play it, you know, you start to, you know, soothe the spirits of the calabash so that there is a deeper understanding of how we can become unified as, as people, as couples, as couplings, but also as a universe or as humanity. 
Oh, I love that. And, and the, the idea of music playing it, you know, mm-hmm. using voice, using bells, using chimes, using mm-hmm. rattles. Yeah. Music is always spoken to the soul that way. Mm-hmm. And it soothes the, I guess the, the angry yeah. an energy within us that can't see the connection. I can't mm-hmm. see the bigger picture. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. And I think that for me, that was the idea of calling it conjuring the calabash because it is about that, you know, finding that 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 point where we can self soothe for us, but we can also soothe each other. You know, our lovers, our children, you know, our community, all of those things. But first, we have to start working on how we feel about ourselves. And actually, um, speaking of this relationship between men and women, one of the parts of the book that that has just been on my mind ever since I read it, it just mm-hmm. really, really has stuck with me as something I I feel like, I feel that society needs to delve into a lot more is your chapter on men and the concept of slavery's legacy still affecting relationships mm-hmm. between Black men and women. Could you share a little bit about that? with our listeners and how hoodoo can yeah. combat that. Yeah. Um, well, you know, just not being in control of who we are, you know, it, think about enslavement of African people. Um, there is no way that, that I can protect as a man, a man can protect his family or protect his wife or even say that he, he has a wife and be taken seriously. Because we know during that time period, those relationships were had, but it was sometimes seen as a joke, you know, like a minstrel show for everyone, the plantation owners. So it wasn't a real act. And so you could be taken and said that this lady is this person is the one that you're going to have kids with because we need to, you know, fortify this plantation, you know, with more people. And so all of those things plays into a part of our DNA Um, and it's residual energy that we still store within us. And so my belief in the way that I was always taught is that, you know, we still harbor a lot of that resentment. You know, we're not enslaved, but a lot of that trauma is still part of who we are. And so um, with Hoodoo, I have found that, you know, working together, working to uh, take care of ourselves and then working to take care of, you know, your husband, your children, if you have male male um, children um, or even just co-workers, people that you come in contact with, you know, working to make sure that, you know, your energy, the, the energy that you expel between the two of you is in a safe space, you know, um, things like that, that we can do, because I didn't want it. I wanted it to start off for women, but then I wanted to move into our relationships with everybody else that we encounter, not just our men, but the elders and our children, but definitely with our relationships with each other, because that um, it's always been a big issue within the African-American community. But, you know, with the social media and then with the pandemic, it was a lot of those same feelings. You know, how are we going to be protected, especially when you had a lot of police uh, brutality and police violence against African-Americans? You had a lot of people asking who's going to protect us, you know. And so a lot of those same things were coming up and those. It was dredging up a lot of that trauma again. And so I think with hoodoo, we can start to see that we we can't place the blame at each other. We have got to heal each other. And then we have got to try to use that energy and that strength to heal our community. Yes. Yes. Actually, on that note, like you said, this book sort of came to you through the pandemic. Of course, when I think of what else came out of the pandemic, we also had a rise in protests. I was a teacher in Baltimore at the time. So my students facilitated a walk, a pretty long walk, a couple of miles 
uh, yeah. that ended with an 11 minute kneel to mm-hmm. draw attention, of course, to the George Floyd movement mm-hmm. that that created. Mm-hmm. And how did how did the the climate of the times at that moment and up until now, because, of course, we know that this right, right, brutality right. has not ended. No, no. How has that informed your writing in this book and perhaps future ones? If you if you'd like to share anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. I Well, definitely with this book, like you say, with George Floyd and then seeing, you know, a Brianna Taylor and all of these other incidents happening, um, it has really wanted me to be able to have something where people could feel like they could be protected as they go to work or even as their children go to off to school and things like that to feel like I needed to include um, workings where it wasn't, like I said before, just for women. I needed us to feel like we were unified and I didn't want a book. To me, if I just talked to women, it would be very divisive to me. Um, and so I wanted to start off with us because I think that we have a strong, you know, um, sense of how to heal, you know. And so and from that, lean over into everything else with the men as well as our elders and our children, because we know that, you know, for a lot of us, we were still worried about our kids, you know, going, you know, my son is. 13 and he's six two, you know. So you wonder about, you know, him walking to school with his backpack and not and looking like, you know, a high schooler, right? And he's a middle schooler. And so how do we protect them? You know, what do we do for that? And so that's why I wanted to have those things. Even thinking about the internet, cyber, cyber, you know, stalkers and trolls and things like that. How do we protect our children when we are on lockdown and we have to do everything virtually? You know, how do we protect ourselves when we have to do all of these things virtually? And then we have people with, um, you know, this who feel like they're they have all of this stuff to say because they're virtual. Right. To us, mean things to say. So how do we protect ourselves from all of that? So that's what came out in terms of for the pandemic um, for future writings, um, thinking about how to uh, bring the practice into something since you're moving from Conjuring to Calabash into, okay, now I really want to do this. I want to learn more about it, more of the root working portion of it. You know, how can I work with um, individual saints in hoodoo? Um, how can I uh, utilize maybe someone in my family that I want to um, heighten as a saint for hoodoo? How do I do that? So working more with things like that. Um, and so we're looking at, you know, establishing those type of era, era areas as well as um, working with tarot. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, I look forward to that. That's going to be really cool. Mm-hmm. I say tarot is right up your alley, Lise. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> So one of the chapters I enjoyed was your the chapter three. So um, sexual evolutions and psyche for, of women. And I feel like that this is probably connected to what we just talked about in the relationship with men and women and also slavery, because right. body bodily autonomy was not a thing. No, it was not. And I mean, in, in our climate today where more and more we're losing our rights as women this one really kind of it it was that realization of how deep this kind of thing goes and you you know thinking about the political climate thinking about our our emotional climate our social climate and you know how we relate to sex and orgasm and pleasure Mm -hmm. 
um, in how you take the perspective of empowerment, you know, um, can you, can you just elaborate a little bit on that and give us, yeah, give, yeah. give a teaser about it? Cause I really want people to read this chapter for themselves. Yeah. I think for me, sex magic, cause I, if we look at it as far as just a lot of times for African-Americans, right. It's the, like, what, you know, that's, we do that, you know, kind of thing. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> but I'm always telling people, yes, you can do. Yes. 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 You know, so just taking back that control, not feeling like you always need a partner for it as well, which is what I, I always tell people, you know, and then they go, okay, okay, maybe I can kind of get with this, you know? And so I think that using magic, your whole body, I always say, this is your altar right here, your whole body. You're you right. Know? And yeah. So using that, um, using sex magic to get those things that you need or that you want also gives you a better view of how to take control of your of your own sensuality and your own sexuality, your your own glamour magic, you know, so to speak. And and it allows us to open ourselves up to another avenue that we don't always talk about, you know, or we don't always attribute that it could be part of our magic, which it is part of our magic as well. And so with that section, I wanted people to feel comfortable enough to understand that they can also use their sensuality as part of their magic. One of those th- ways, again, where um, it fits into our life and we don't even know how easy it can fit into our life, you know? So that's what I really wanted with that section. Cause um, you know, I, when I always bring it up to people, they go sex magic. Is that for black people? And I'm like, yes, tell, let me tell you how it works. <laughs> you know, let me tell you what you need to get, you know? And so then they'll call <laughs> back and they're like, you know, I did that, you know? <laughs> Mm. <laughs> you know, I did all nice. of that. Okay, I like that kind of magic. You know, yes. So yeah, so I really want people to feel like you know nothing is um, closed to you. You know, you can engage in that too, in that practice too. And once again, a part of it being an easy part of your life. You know, if you're going to have a masturbation session, it might as well include some sex magic, right? Why? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> why <laughs> you're not? there. Why not? <laughs> I love it. Good. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're quite so lucky to have you. I feel like your voice comes through in this book really well. Um, <laughs> like, like you're the way, like in that chapter in particular, and in any yeah, sensitive yeah. areas, you know, because some people they just their ego butts up against a topic and they're like, right, no, no, right. no, I'm not, that's right. not for me. You know, like mm-hmm. you really coax and and introduce it in such a. I wanted it to sound like me. Way. That was a big thing, and I kept, we kept going it. back and forth. And I was like, I, I needed to. I don't want it to sound academic. You know, I'm. You know, I wanted to sound like me because I want people to feel comfortable with it. You know, and a lot of times when people when you get them comfortable with it, then it will just start spilling it. They'll start telling it like it is. You know, it's not. It's not really secretive to talk about it you know and then you know you first thing I say you you masturbate right and they'll go well yeah then everybody well then let's include this you know let's kick it up a notch you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and actually on that note of like just relatable modern magic for people that exist right now here and now in this world right. I loved your inspiring voices section in each chapter as well and I I learned a lot about these artists like Sade, like I thought I had heard Sade's music before, but now I can hear it, you know, right, I, right, now right. I'm listening. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And I wanted to have the playlist to go with the book as well on Spotify. There's a playlist that goes with the book. And so you can find whatever you like 
you know, whatever music, even from those artists or from other artists that may inspire you, you know, and that can be part of your magic when you're working, when you're doing these working, help, you know, get you ready for it before you start those workings. Once again, I didn't want it to feel like you have to, you know, listen to a Gregorian chant, you know, before you start doing magic, you know, you can listen to whatever you want and it could still be magical and nobody has to know, you know, you're just listening to Sade and, you know, you're going to go home and get grounded. So, yeah. I, I, I absolutely love Sade. Like she's one of my absolute favorites. <laughs> and my husband thinks I'm nuts because I listen to jazz and I listen to the stuff mm-hmm, that like, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know, I enjoy it. Right, it, right, it, right. It speaks to some Something deep within and yeah mm-hmm. reading that part of your book I'm like ah that makes sense you know <laughs> right 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 <laughs> and uh, yeah I think we've all had enough of Gregorian stuff like right right that. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I watch the omen go binge the omen right? yeah there you go yeah exactly we'll get some of that in there <laughs> mm-hmm. one of the other chapters I really enjoyed was um the kundalini of hair so you start talking about hair fingernails toes blood urine Mm -hmm. all those icky things that i think sometimes we shy away from in our practice Mm -hmm. but but you again you you make it into a nice practice one of your exercises shampoo that loser right out of your hair i love that that was just so Mm -hmm. fun it was clever and it's really you know those I, I thought it was one of those essential practices we should all be focused right, on. Like right, when, you, right. when you're done, you're done. Like yeah, be done with yeah. it. <laughs> when, we cut, when, we, when we cut those cards, we we don't think about those things. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of times we just, we think that the relationships or whatever we're doing situation is over because we've done this ritual. But then what about us? You know, all that time you spent with that person, they linger everywhere it does. You know, or the situation. It lingers everywhere. So we have to clean it from us. If we're done with it, we really have to clean it from us. Otherwise, it seeps back into our lives, you know, and we're wondering what, you know, what would happen? You know, I didn't do a full cleansing of everything. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, no, it, it's not always just a one and done thing. I think that's what a lot of people look for is they want that magic mm-hmm. pill, that magic spell, yeah, the, exactly. the one and done thing where, mm-hmm. OK, I did this now. I should be done with it. But it, no, we have to mourn. We have to separate. Yes. And, yes. you know, in a sense, yes. you know, quote unquote, I'm using my fingers Uh the 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 cord cutting of the event or the person or the relationship i like that right 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 yeah (laughs) it's never a one and done thing because it wasn't one and done when you just got together or got involved in that there was time invested so you're going to have to invest time to you know get rid of it get it off of you yeah and I, I guess that speaks volumes to the daily rituals, the simple daily rituals mm-hmm. of reinforcing the new energy you need right, moving on. Right, 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 right. And, and, you know, like people will, um, you know, they'll get kind of like, oh, about the blood and the nails and things like that. But one of the things I want people to understand is that those are practices that are used, you know, and even if you never do those things, then if you see something like that, then you will be aware of what, you know, what is actually going on. One, you know, um, mm-hmm. I've had clients who've come to say that, you know, someone showed up with a pot of spaghetti or red sauce or something just out of the blue, you know, and they're thinking, <laughs> hey, you know, you know, I want to, you know, just, you know, let's get over this argument. You know, I brought this, you know, and they're like, always be suspicious. Right, 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 right. But, you know, that it has happened. You know, you have people, older people who will always say, not doing that. I'm not mm-hmm. doing that, you know? And so it's a, it's a common thing for me. I've always heard that. Don't do that. Don't let them do that. Don't, you know, but a lot of times people don't know, you know, yeah. they really don't. <laughs> they think, okay, they brought some goodies, you know? Yeah. Well, in. 
and this this is ancient like this is ancient ancient practices um what i study is occult herbalism and the poison path so one of the my areas of study is studying the old you know wood carvings and that sort of thing of these practices and the the witch's feast Mm -hmm. and that is absolutely they would lace the food with you know blood urine Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. hair, um, right. black bread, that sort of thing mm-hmm. to create this magical container. And, yeah. you know, if you don't know what you're doing, you don't know who's making the food or why mm-hmm. <laughs> you right, get yourself right. into some situations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've had stories where some men have eaten it and they've got a new wife, you know, right. <laughs> new wife, new life. Yeah, yeah, oopsie. So, so, oops. <laughs> You know, so a lot of that, you know, I wanted to um, just make people aware of uh, just like I've always heard it. There are other people who've always heard it and then they don't mind, you know, diving in to do that. You know, if I want that that situation or I want that man, you know, or that woman, you know, I'll do this thing, you know. And so just to be aware of of how the practice can be used to heal, but also how it can be used for somebody else to get what they feel like is what they want. They want, you know, they may feel like it's not a bad thing to do that because that's what I want. So it might be bad for you, but it's not bad for me, you know, kind of thing. So, yeah. And actually that's, that reminds me of another question I had within hoodoo workings. I noticed like, there's not a specific like preamble to your exercises, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm sure somebody could decide to include it in right, ex- right, an right, exercise right. in a bigger ritual, but, but is there like a, like, you know, in the Wiccan practices, there's like the whole, like you invite the elements, you invite mm-hmm. the God or goddess you're working with. Mm-hmm. Like, is there a, a more deity, uh, is there a deity relationship with hoodoo and how is that introduced? That's a good question. Um, well, a lot of times it all depends. Like I said earlier, um, you know, who you study with, where you get your learning from. Sometimes people would go to like in, in New Orleans, um, the Baptist church. And so they might incorporate some biblical verses, you know, before they do the working. If they are, you know, are Catholic, you know, they may sing, you know, or do something else or some Hail Marys or something like that before they start doing the workings. But it all, it sort of all depends. Um, there are others who, you know, who are just, you know, root workers and they do whatever comes on their heart, you know, when they're doing that work. Um, with this, like I said, with this particular book, I really wanted it to feel like you could say whatever was with you. You know, you could use what I have in the book, but I wanted it to seem easy enough for you to feel like, you know, you're comfortable with, you know, coming up with your own words, you know, to say and not feel like, you know, you have to, um, you know, just follow a standard uh, reading or a, or a poem or, you know, whatever, you know, to, to, to get it going. You know, you could put the fire under your words by using your own words. But yeah, it all depends. So like I say, there is no specific um, initiation. So there are no rules to what can be said. So some people will use the Psalms, you know, some people will use a specific scripture. Um, it all, just all depends on who taught you and, you know, how you want to do the work. Are the Orishas gods and goddesses or are they more like archetypes or again is that just a personal connection okay. energy 
their um their energies that are given names and ascribe these names because of the energy. Some people will consider them goddesses. It all depends on who you talk to, gods and goddesses. Um, some people, you know, restrict them straight to energy, and we give the energy these names. These forces of energy have these names, and because of how they're utilized in the world, we will ascribe male, female to them. You know, but if somebody is initiated, a man could be initiated to what we would consider a female orisha. You know, as well as a woman could be initiated to um, what we consider a male orisha. So forces of energy. And because of how they um, come about within our everyday life, we say that this one is male or this one is female. And so oh, sometimes that's goddesses. Mm-hmm. So it's all, they're almost like egregores in a way as well. Yeah. Like they're almost, just this energetic. Like, awesome. Right. Like we mm-hmm. would associate, um, you know, um, lightning with Oya. Right. And but she is with Shango, right? The thunder, this fire that comes up under us. And together, you know, when there's a thunderstorm, they ride together, right? She comes out there and she says, let's get it going. Right. And so they move across the sky together. So usually if there is um really bad weather, like in where we live, um, we hear about a tornado or something like that, then I'll do an Ariki for Oya. Um, once the storm is coming, you know, I may do an Ariki for Shango. Right. Um, now, in that sense, because I'm, I guess I'm a child of Oya, I would say she is very powerful. So I, I can deal with the thunder. I just don't want the tornado. Right. So I'm constantly doing the Oya and, and you know, and I'm praising Shongo as well. But I'm really trying to keep my mama happy so that she will spare my home. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, they're the forces of energy. And like I say, um, men can be uh, associated with the female deity and, and women can be associated with the male deity. Mm-hmm. And women, lots of times, they love that. They got that shango energy. They're good with it, you know. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, I love it. Well, okay, then that I guess that brings me to where I was curious because I, um, I was, I spent a lot of time in chapter seven with Mother Earth Sustain Me because I felt like that showed up as um, familiar to me as far as like the grounding practices and mm-hmm. you know, being emotionally and morally grounded mm-hmm. and um, it, it mirrored I, I guess some of my core values and it correlates with that magical lifestyle of we're always trying to be better people we're always trying to connect with um, the values that we hold within our practice mm-hmm. um, can you elaborate on your perspective within this chapter in okay. grounding to earth and grounding to our emotional um, right, right, right. sense I, of being. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to pick the words. I can't word. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> for, for me, I'm always thinking about, um, you know, how can I connect to the land where I live? But also, how can I uh, pay homage to those who were here before me? And so in this particular area, northern Louisiana, where we live, there were the cattle native people were here before us. And so I'm always doing rituals for them to feel grounded. After work, I go outside and I'm making sure that my feet, my soles and my feet touch the earth, you know, so that I can um, feel like that um, they're supporting me, you know, um, in my travels, um, in my choices that I make. And I always feel like that is very important to me, whether I'm, you know, calling on any elements, if I'm touching the earth, and I, I can be doing it quietly. I'm making my peace and I'm sealing that pact, you know, with the universe that I'm going to continue to move about, you know, as you say, 
you know, with my values intact, you know, morally sound as I can be each and every day and um, and, and try to encourage that within my community. So it's always about uh, my ancestors, but then remembering those who came before me. And I think that that is most important. Um, and that's another area where menstrual flow or it's used, you know, pouring it into the earth as a remembrance and the seal um, of understanding that um, blood was spilled here you know, um, in order for any of this to exist. And me at this point in my own life, blood was spilled and, and blood is, is, is what is conducive in terms of healing and to understand that in order to make peace, sometimes there will be blood. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and you talk about that in your story of Whitehall and Red River, mm-hmm. which that, that story just gripped me. It, it, it felt so palatable, you know, just mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the place that you have to go to do your work. You have to make peace with that place and what happened yeah. there. Yes. Yes. And it is a, um, like we talked about earlier, it's a continual thing. You know, it's not something that happens one time and um, it's all good. You know, each time I go there, even as a practitioner for so many years of my life doing this work, it still it still grips at you, you know. It still pulls at you, and you have to go in there. And um, you st- there's all of this energy, right, that doesn't want you there. And I still have to fight that, and still have to deal with that, and like come home and get rebalanced and grounded again. Mm-hmm. You know, my That's work is mostly with land spirits and spirits of place. And that, mm-hmm. as you were speaking before, that story is what came to mind from your book as well about mm-hmm. Whitehall and. And and mm-hmm. sometimes we don't have the ability, and I think the South in the U.S. is a good example of this. We don't have the ability to just Google it and there it all is. Like I live in right. Greece right. and you can, like you really can. There's going to be stories mm-hmm. going back 3,000 years for a given right. land spirit. Right. But right. you're oftentimes going with your intuition alone into mm-hmm. these places. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and having those foundational. Energy. Right. And a lot of that energy is so deeply rooted in those places, right? There is no, um, uh, you know, we watch these television shows. There is no what's going in. We're going to clean it out and you're good. You know, it's deep, it's just as deeply rooted as the trees around the area. Right. You know, and so going into those places, you just have to, you know, just get it, get yourself together and, and do what you have to do. And then once you're out of there, understand that there's going to be that, that cleansing that, that has to take place. It, it makes me think of creating a new legacy because a legacy there was created there. It was a negative right. legacy. It was a right. horrific legacy. Right. So we have to moving forward, like we talked about before, moving, looking ahead, moving forward, we have to create that new legacy yes. and creating that new legacy is up to us energetically, mm-hmm. mentally, emotionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oof. Body chills again. <laughs> <laughs> So in a lot of books that I've read, visualization is like given as the answer, you know, like it could be Mm -hmm. a meditation and they're like, imagine you are blah, blah, blah. In your book, it's like, this will happen because you did this. It's more active and less visualizing. Mm -hmm. What is Hoodoo's relationship with the concept of visualization? Um, Well, you know, with for me, it's always been uh, the movement of we have to move. We have to make it happen. You know, we have to we can visualize. There's no problem with visualization, but we have to still get up and go like as if, 
you know, what we just visualized is it's working. It's, you know, even if you don't see it, you know, you're thinking, oh, how, when is it going to happen? You still have to get up and move like it like it is. You know, you still have to get in, in place of your ordinary day. You still have to get it out, get it done. And so I think a lot of times when we think of visualization, um, I've had clients in it and it's like, well, if I just sit here for 15 minutes each day and visualize, eventually it's going to manifest. Right. But you still have to be a participant in your life is what I tell them. And so for who with a lot of hoodoo practitioners would say, OK, that's fine. You've done that. Now get up and go to work or, you know, get up and go to school. You know, let's keep it moving and don't think about it. So it's more of that you visualize, but you don't cling on to it. You know, you accept it and you say to yourself, it's done, you know, and you keep going. Yeah, that's powerful. And, you know, there really isn't a problem with um. You can still go back the next day if you want to sit with it, but you don't sit with it in a sense as, as if you're, you know, begging and hoping, you know, oh, is it going to happen? Yeah. That kind of thing. That's where the problem comes because that's where you start confusing your magic. You know, it's like you, you're you saying you're doing this magical work and it's going to work, but then you're sitting here with doubt, you know, and so yeah. what happened? The, the magic doesn't know what to do, you know. Right, right. You keep calling it back to you. Do you want me to leave? Right. Do you want me? To <laughs> you want me to go do my work? Or are you right, going to keep right. calling me back here and we're going to talk we about this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see that a lot too. Like people, like and people, people got sometimes go too far with it, where they're like, okay, write out all your dreams and then burn the paper. Yeah. Well, right. right. You might want to remember what you wrote, so maybe have a carbon copy or something, like. I think that's good because we always say that too on the show, like yeah, witchcraft, paganism, druidry, alternative spiritual paths are about active work. You know, if you yeah. want passive, go to church and sit in the back. We're yeah, here to do that's it. it. That's it. And I think a lot of times people, like you say, they come from the church. And so when they yeah. go into any type of magical situation, they expect it to happen right now. Oh, you're, you're, you do that. Right. So you're going to make this happen tonight. It's going to happen tonight when I get home and we, <laughs> we tell them, no, it doesn't work that way. You know, it doesn't work that way. So yeah. Conscious effort. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's not Hogwarts. So <laughs> make it happen. Yeah. So, um, Chapter 10, I also really enjoyed because you start talking about jazz funerals, which I love jazz. So and watching, you know, I've not attended one of these funerals. I would love to someday, respectfully, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the idea of celebrating right. the life of someone through music, through dance, mm-hmm. through a procession. Mm-hmm. I think that that helps with that grieving process. And you talk about the grieving yeah. process yeah. in this chapter. Yeah. And how yeah. we're not necessarily given that opportunity, you know, you, oh, you, oh, you're not done yet. You know, like, right. Type of right, attitude. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Because in the, in the, in the Baptist church, um, you know, a lot of times it's okay. We're done with this. You know, we've gone to the gravesite. Um, that's it. Don't talk about them anymore. You know, that's a bad thing, almost an evil thing. Right. Just even to say, you know, I saw my grandmother or I saw my parent, you know, right. we, we don't talk about that. We're done right. with them, you mm-hmm. know? sort of thing. But when we look at it from an African standpoint, um, traditionally, the dead are are buried within the house, under the house, right? So you're always standing on, in a sense, your shoulders of your ancestors because they're there. And so in New Orleans, since we don't don't do that, right? We're below sea level. (laughs) So we, um, 
the jazz funerals, you know, they give a chance for you to take the person to all of their favorite places. You stop everywhere they've ever loved, you know, the bar they love. Love it. You get their favorite drink, you know, you pour it, you know, yes. you take some of it. I mean, it becomes a celebration, which is what it should be, right? Yeah. Um, and then the, the dancing, the dancing is remembering. It's a way to heighten the energy. You know, you're charging your body up. Right. And all of this charged energy helps this person reach the, the ancestral plane. You know, mm -hmm. it helps them to understand that, OK, this is my last dance with you guys. But, you know, I'm going forward and then I'll be looking down and I'll be able to assist you. So it's a way to walk them to the gates without, you know, entering yourself. <laughs> I, yeah. And, and I, it is, um, yeah. So that's why. <sighs> and, and, and they could last a very long time. Yeah. You know, all depends, you <laughs> Especially know. Especially if the person was an extrovert and liked to visit a bunch of places, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah. So it, it, where you have that absence of not being able to have that person buried in the home, you still have the celebration because that is still a part of it all. You know, you still have that going to everywhere, all of their favorite places. And usually they'll write it out. You know, I want to go here. I want to go there, you know, and right. you do that. You honor all of that. I love so it. it is a sacred procession. There is the church part. And then there is that part. And even mm -hmm. sometimes the second line people will go into the church, you know, to make sure it's, it's, we're ready, you know, and then they'll escort the family out. And it gives you that chance to grieve, but in a more celebratory, you know, sense right. and with people who are able to share into that with you, you know, and comfort you with it through dance, through song, yeah. through music. Absolutely. I love that. And I, I love the celebration aspect of it because funerals, you know, from, a tr I guess, our typical cultural standpoint, it's this very solemn Thing. You're you're not supposed to laugh. You're not supposed to. You're not even supposed to cry. Like you can't even. Right. It's right. supposed to be appropriate, but showing any emotion is some sort of taboo that our culture has created. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And emotions are cleansing. Emotions are yeah. opening. Mm -hmm. And, um, like, really off topic, but like we ha we have not gotten a new dog, a new member of our family as mm -hmm. as a four four-legged right, canine right, right. because our dog passed away. It's been almost five years mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we're, we still feel her presence. Like she yeah. has not left us yet. Yeah. Yeah. So why is that any different for humans? You know, exactly. why do we have to just get over it? Right, right, <laughs> right, right. And it gives us a chance to, um, to, to allow them to make that movement into the ancestral realm so that they can come back. I always tell people so that they can come back and assist us with the things that we need, you know, and that's, the letting go is the letting go, but not forever. You know, it's letting them get the knowledge and understanding of, you know, how to process being an ancestor, you know, how to do those things That's with other point. people who are already there. Yeah. You know, they have to get their training, you know, yeah. so that they can come back and help us. That makes you know. sense. That's one of the things I teach my students is like, if you're going to contact ancestors, don't assume that they are are automatically healed or exactly. balanced in death because if they yeah. were a horrible person in life, yeah. they're probably still a horrible That's person. That's what I always say too, right? Okay, nice. <laughs> yes. That's exactly it. Because people, they, they think that, right? They think, oh, well, they passed on. So now it's time to call, you know, the uncle who could never keep a wife, you know, I'm going to ask him about my marriage. No, <laughs> he is not the one to call. Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Leave him alone. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I can bet what he's going to help you with. You know? Right. Exactly. It's not going to be happy. Uncle's going to be happy. <laughs> you won't. 
<laughs> I'm, up. I'm up is what he's thinking. Right. Yeah. And, okay. Yeah. I love that you touched on that because yeah, that's something that I always tell people, like, don't think that it's okay yeah. to contact them if they were not right. right. You know? Right, right. And we always, we always, I always tell people, you know, you can, um, you know, you can light a candle for it for, and hope for that, you know, that the other ancestors who are there with them, you know, help them with their healing, you know, but even still, you don't know how long that's going to take. Just do that and contact somebody else, you know, who's much more helpful to you in life. You know, they can be helpful to you now, you know, but um, yeah, that is always a big thing. Everybody wants to just, you know, I remember them, let's call them. And, you know, everybody, you don't want to call. You know. <laughs> <Now> hold up. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I see you have your altar stacked, but some of those people don't call. Them. <laughs> right. That's a, that's an excellent point. I love that. <laughs> and I like that in chapter 10, when you're talking about crossing over that in these funerals, visiting these places, like you're giving the soul a chance to say goodbye and fully leave. And it's mm. interesting because I didn't realize this until I was reading your book, that this was how funerals were done in, culturally in New Orleans. And mm-hmm. when I visited New Orleans, I was I, I was a little disappointed because there weren't all these ghosts and vampires. And I thought mm-hmm. I would be feeling all of these presences. Right, you know, right. I'd walk through hate after hate. And mm-hmm. I really didn't feel that. And I now mm-hmm. I kind of can contribute, can attribute that mm-hmm. to you know, they, they died well, they were buried well, they're remembered mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Like that's beautiful. It's great news. Right, <laughs> right, right. right. Cause a lot of that energy, you know, it's, it's there if you call on it, but it's not just if they're, if they're good, then they're not just roaming around waiting, you know? So yeah. 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 And like, you know, television and things like that would have us believe. <laughs> so yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I even did like a, like a cheesy, like ghost tour. I went with my family for the holidays yeah, like, yeah, several yeah. years ago, you know, and that was what we, they wanted to do, you know, and it was, mm-hmm. it was fun. And there, and some of it was so dark. It's like on one corner is a myth of a, of a vampire. And then on another is like mm-hmm. the very real tragedies that happened and yeah, and yeah. you know they're pointing all these things out and like the real tragic energies you could kind of pick up on like at least the egregore of them like you right, know that right, residual right. and in, mm-hmm. and if, in fact these tour guides are contributing to it but yeah, then a yeah. lot of it you know i don't know i that's so that's sort of also where i study like land spirits versus ghosts mm-hmm. you know like a land spirit right. they've never been a human they're just the spirit of the land then mm-hmm. there's there's the very real egregore that could, that of of New Orleans that is contributed right, to right. by ghosts and atrocities mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. hurricanes mm-hmm. and all of it. Right, right. And you know, a lot of the a lot of those um the guides, you know, a lot of times they just, you know, get these little trashy books and then they, you know, want to become a guide and they can remember all this stuff. And a lot of times they just take you to places, you know, anywhere. And they'll say, this is that, and that, you know, a lot of times it's not steeped in history, you know, mm-hmm. of the city itself. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to touch on in terms of um, the death um, is the covering of mirrors. You know, that's a big deal 
too, in the home, especially if someone dies in the home, um, not having that uh, spirit attach itself to the home. And so um, there is that, you know, the mirrors are covered. The mirrors are also covered, like if there is a thunderstorm, a really bad thunderstorm, um, that energy, because we understand that the energy, the lightning and all of that, it brings other, um, it opens a portal for other energy to come through, move within the home. And so mirrors are covered during those times as well. So uh, there is a lot of... um, even if people don't say it's hoodoo, a lot of the practices, it's root work. They may say, I'm conjure. You know, you go do that. You go do this, you know, and be quiet. We're quiet when, you know, because we want to make sure during a thunderstorm, if there are those messages or things that are being heard, that you know exactly where that energy is coming from. So a lot of that mm-hmm. takes place as well. So those are some things that I think a lot of times people hear about or even know you know, as they grow and they don't really know why, you know, why that happens. They just continue to be a part of it and doing it. So um, one of my teachers would tell this story. She would say um, when she was learning to, she was uh, studying with the Santeria priests, priestess, and um, she would always take this paper and she would ball it up into kind of like fold it into a square and put it under the table. And then she would start all of her rituals. And so she said, nobody would ever say anything, you know, and so it would always happen for years. And so when she was able to lead her own house, her own Orisha house, she did the same thing. And so she said her she was inviting the her teacher over and her teacher's sitting there and she's watching her and she's doing it and she's putting it on. She says, well, what are, you, what are you doing? And she says, I'm putting, you know, like you always do before we start. She said, well, I did that because my table was lopsided. You know? Oh, my God. <laughs> That's the best. Well, why are you doing it? I thought that that was what we had to do before we started ritual. You know, oh, I love so that. I think a lot of times we need to really know, you know, what we're doing things, you know, <laughs> and if those things will suffice in our lives, you know. So I just wanted to share that. I thought that was That's great. Well, and I was waiting for you to say like something was written on the paper because right, I right, kept right. thinking, I'm like, is the table lopsided? Like, why is this happening? Oh, that's because <laughs> so that would great. make sense. You know, you right, want your right. message to hold up the table. That right, I, right. I would link that. I would right, I would right. make that connection. Right, you know, right. <laughs> it's you support. Know, yeah. So sometimes we follow our teachers, or we follow even in books and things like mm, that. We buy yes. Books and we just follow along, and and some things may you know, fit our lives and some things may not, you know, like you were saying earlier about the older witchcraft books, right? And a lot of times we still want to do things, but we, you know, we can't find the raven. We can't, you know, we right. can't, there's no way to do right. those things. We Why can't we make a raven? corpse water. Right. And- <laughs> right. Why do I need the raven? If I, I have sparrows, <laughs> can I follow the sparrow or whatever? Yeah. You know, so just yeah. figuring out how it fits into your life and you right. know what you can use, and which is why, like I say, you know, incorporating the um, playlist with the book, trying to find different types of music and Mm -hmm. jazz or whatever. You could use it to feel grounded, to feel, you know, heightened enough to do sex magic or whatever. You know, you don't need a specific thing for that. Yeah. Actually, speaking of ingredients, your exercises, some of them include lots of different herbs. If -hmm. somebody doesn't have access to them or they're starting slow like, are there like three core ingredients, not just herbs? You know, you talk about hoist cologne, right, 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 right. If they don't have access, three core things that I would say parsley. They could definitely use a lot of parsley. Um, 
bay leaf, if they could get two bay leaf, um, they could use that one. Um, an onion, any type of onion, you know, whole onion. Yeah. Um, I, so yeah, and and they'll see reason, you know, ways to use it in the book. But those are some core things that they can use. Pepper, any type of pepper, you know. Um, and I would just go ahead and start there with that. You know, if you're trying to repel something, definitely using that pepper. I've even used the onion. Um, if there is a situation where, you know, there's a lot of arguing going on, you know, they could use the onion put. Um, I would use sometimes 30 needles, like the little needles that you would use. Um, not needles. I'm sorry. The stick pins. And, pins and yeah. 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 Um, and that would help. Um things like that. You know, there, there are simple things in there that they can incorporate. You don't have to go out and buy a lot of things. You could use a lot of the same things, you know, over and over again. A lot of your invocation, what you say over the herbs will tell the herb what it needs to be used for. And that's what I like about root work, because once you start talking to it today, you may want to use it for love. Tomorrow, you may want to use it to repel something. It's about what you say to it, too. You yes. say it, you talk to it, and you give it that power to do what it needs to do for you at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it's another a relationship part of the magic. Building. Yeah. That's yeah. another part of the magic in terms of we're thinking about, you know, the enslaved people, right? Using what they had and, yeah. and making it work by telling it that this is what I need you to do right now. This is what I need from you right now. Yeah. Your intention goes a long way. <laughs> and actually, I think when it comes to having lots of steps involved in a in a ritual or working, it's so helpful for the monkey mind, you know, to calm itself. Right. Because right. then it's saying, okay, I'm adding the gallangal, I'm adding yeah. the lavender, I'm taking right, this right. out, I'm lighting right. this now. And then all of that starts to have power, even though we can say, okay, we know it's the intention yeah, yeah, within yeah. that matter. And even us. plain water, even plain water. I tell people, if that's what you got, use that, you know, mm -hmm. whatever you say over the water, whatever you do, and then you pour the water, you know, that as well is going to, you know, infuse it with your intention. And you can use it for that. You can use it for your magic, for baneful magic. You can use it, you know, for whatever you needed to use it for. You know, if that's what you have, use that. Don't don't be limited and say, OK, I can't start today because I don't have bay leaves or, you know, parsley in my, you know, my cupboard. I can't start. If you have water, use that. Yeah, absolutely. Are you enjoying the show? If you are, we'd really appreciate a five-star review. It helps us to reach more listeners like you and to keep doing the Magic Kitchen podcast. Thank you. So, I think so. can oh, you yeah. tell our listeners where they can get Conjuring the Calabash, how they can connect with you and keep up to date with your work? Okay. Yeah. Um, well, they can get it from Amazon, anywhere they buy books, anywhere you get it. Um, they can go there and get that. Uh, they can follow me on Twitter. I'm Yawoya on Twitter. Um, Instagram, Mawia, Facebook, Mawia Bomani. Um, and so in the few weeks, I'll probably be doing some workshops and I'll post that, you know, probably on Facebook and Instagram, things like that. But um, yeah, just follow me there and then it can keep up with whatever's coming up. Awesome. Yeah. And I think people are going to get a lot out of your book and I can't wait yeah, to read so your next ones. <laughs> yes. I can't wait for the next one. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you all. This was fun. Yes. <laughs> Mary meet, Mary part, and, and Mary meet, meet again. again. Thank you for joining us on the Magic Kitchen podcast. Please visit my website, leandrawitchwood.com, 
for news, information, and more episodes. I'm Elise Wells, and I can be found at Seeking Numina on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook, and SeekingNumina.com. That's Seeking, N-U-M-I-N-A.